Good morning. How are we this morning? You guys ready for the word? All right. I'm Pastor Jake. I'm the lead pastor here at Great Oaks. It's my honor and privilege to speak with you today, to unpack the word of God with you and for you. So to Germantown campus, Washington campus, those joining us online, welcome. We are so excited that you are here. Mark chapter 8 and Isaiah 59, if you have your Bible, you can head over there. Uh, you can also follow along on, our, on the YouVersion Bible app. Just click on live event and you'll get all of our notes and our uh, scriptures for today's message. Um, I currently have five kids in my family. We have three biological kids and two foster kids, uh, ages 15, 12, 10, 5, and 3. So my house is an exciting place to hang out if you want to come over. Um, I don't want you to come over, never mind. Um, but my five-year-old Joshua, he's, he's about to be six in two days. So if you see him on the way out today or you see him some other uh, Sunday uh, you or some other time, make sure you tell him happy birthday. He's going to be six. So he just started kindergarten. Uh, and if, you're one, if you want to win at parenting, you got to take your kindergartner to the eye doctor before they go to kindergarten, right? That's part of winning at parenting. And so, uh, and sometimes you got to get checkups, you know, otherwise when they're older. And so I like to win big, all right? I like to win big at parenting. And so we needed four checkups. So we just took all four at the same time to the eye doctor just to, just to mess with the office, just to mess with them, all right? And so we took our whole family of seven to the eye doctor just a couple of weeks ago. Sometimes Sometimes you have to manufacture a parenting challenge. Are you with me? You just rig it to blow and see what happens. And so that's what we did. We all went there all at the same time. The older four with appointments, Hannah just hanging out, my three-year-old. And uh, we knew that uh, Kennedy would probably need glasses. Uh, Just time, no big deal. She's not blind, but just time for glasses. Uh, And then we, we weren't sure about the two older foster kids. We had no idea uh, what their eyesight was like. But Joshua was just there to, like, get a paper signed, right? Have you ever done that? Just get the thing filled out. Um, and so that, that's why we were there. And so we, the first two went, uh, the older two, they, they had great vision, no issues uh, there. And then Kennedy's turn came up. She, sure enough, she needed glasses. Uh, again, not blind, but just needs some glasses. And so we got her some glasses. And then it was Joshua's turn, my five-year-old. If you know Joshua, he's like an active kid, right? He is fun-loving, and he, he, likes to, he likes to be excited, right? And so that's him. And he, in, that, in that moment, he was excited. He was excited to get to do what the big kids were doing, sit in the chair, all of that. And so I was with him, just me and him in the exam room. And Joshua climbed up into this big chair like a big boy. And, and the, the eye doctor started to look into his, his right eye with the um, doohickey, I think is what it's called. And so he's looking through the doohickey, and he's looking into uh, Joshua's eye, and, and then Joshua's trying to stay still and keep his eye open and all that, and then, you know, he moves to his left eye, and the doctor, when he begins to look in that eye, he goes, oh, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> what does that mean? I need some more information, doc, and he just stays quiet as he examines that left eye, examines that left eye, and, and he goes, well, um, He's got a pretty serious astigmatism in his left eye. It'll probably show up in the exam here in a minute. And I said, well, he doesn't have any problems seeing. I mean, he's, he's fine. He doesn't, he doesn't have problems seeing. And he goes, well, we'll, we'll see in a moment. And so they started, they started um, the exam. Now, 
for little kids, they use like pictures, right? Have you been through this recently? I don't know. They use, they use pictures like a bird or a house or a boat or something like that. It's digital, so he just magnifies it as it goes, right? And so he starts with his right eye, Joshua's right eye. He nails it, no problem. 20-20, gets the pictures, no problem. Then he goes to the left eye, covers the right eye, looking through the left eye, and, and Joshua hesitates, and he says, Daddy, it's blurry. It's blurry. So the doctor, he... You know, magnifies the image. Can you see it now? Magnifies the image. Can you see it now? No, I can't see it. Magnifies the image. Can you? Keeps doing that until I'm like, surely you can see it. It's as big as my head, all right? It's huge. It's taking up the whole wall. No, it's not that big. Uh, but finally, he's able to see it. And turns out Joshua, Joshua is like very, very not good at seeing <laughs> in his left eye. He's, he can't see at all, very well at all in his left eye. He has what the doctor called a lazy eye, which means that his whole life, his left eye hasn't been able to see very well at all. And so his brain has rewired to look through the right eye and to see fine. So to him, he sees fine, as long as he doesn't cover up that right eye, right? He sees fine. And so he has this, this um, lazy, lazy eye. And, and I I told him, I told the doctor, you know, he, he doesn't have any problems seeing. Because like, if you take your five-year-old to the eye doctor and they say he's almost blind in his left eye, that makes you feel like a great parent, right? And I'm like, ah, how did I miss that? I mean, he runs into walls, but only two or three times a day. I mean, what's the threshold, right? And so, I'm kidding, he doesn't run into walls at all usually. And so, he, he had to get glasses. The doctor said it happens sometimes. And so this is, this, is, this is Joshua right now. He's a handsome dude in glasses, right? He's a good-looking dude. I mean, he was already good-looking, but now he's just got that glasses look, you know? And, uh, and so he, he's doing pretty good with it. He likes wearing them. You know, you know, we have that tight band around the back of his head to keep them on. And it's just an exciting time in the Mills household with a five-year-old, an active five-year-old with glasses. Um, but he, he didn't really... He didn't really show that he was blind. He didn't really know that he had issues in that left eye. And I'm thinking, man, I'm a horrible dad. My, my, my son's been blind. He didn't know it. And then the doctor said, I didn't know it. And then he, the doctor said something that really freaked me out. Because you know when you go to the doctor, it's supposed to be super encouraging, right? Usually not. Okay, so I went to, so I, he, on the way out, he's like, hey, the big thing is, you know, kids in this situation, they don't usually want to wear the glasses because to them they can see fine. So they don't understand why they have to wear it. Uh, and, and so he goes, but you have to have him wear glasses. It's really important for safety reasons because if he gets hit in his, in his right eye, his good eye, then he's going to be in trouble because he only has the one good eye. Have a good day. See you later. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, thanks, Doc. Thanks, Doc. Super encouraging. Being able to see is, is kind of a big deal, isn't it? Like, I remember when I was a kid, I couldn't see the board in school very well, and so I told my parents, and um, they took me to the eye doctor, and I ended up getting glasses, and then eventually contacts, but I remember that first day with glasses, I was like, what? I've been missing all this? I can see. This is amazing. Erin, my wife, tells a story of when she first got glasses, and she was on the ride with her mom, in the car with her mom, on the way back from the eye doctor, and she's looking out the window with her glasses, and she goes, Mom! I can see leaves. They're amazing. That'll make you feel like a great parent, right? Like my kid couldn't see leaves. I didn't know it. 
My kid's blind in his left eye, basically. I didn't know it. We're in a series called God Help Me, and it's a series about our desperation for God and God's response to that desperation. Have you ever said those words to God? God, help me. Have those words ever escaped your lips? Have you ever felt desperate for God to change something? God, help me. Maybe it was a a whisper in a moment of defeat when you knew you couldn't go on by yourself. Just, God, help me. Maybe you're facing something with a family member that's just difficult relationally. You don't know what you're going to do. And you go, God, help me. And maybe one of your family members or friends, somebody you love, is in hospice and, and on, the, on the verge of dying. God, help me. Your marriage isn't what you want it to be. Another fight, another screaming match. Your kids are struggling with something. Someone else you love is struggling with something. You've got financial issues. Someone betrayed you. You're, you're hurt. You're dealing with that hurt. You, maybe it's not about something bad happening in your life. Maybe it's just that you're about to make a big decision and you're going, God, help me. I want to make this decision right. I want to go the right way. God, help me. But maybe it is that you, you hate your job or you're depressed or you're anxious all the time. Maybe you're single and it feels like you're always going to be single and you're going, God, help me. God, help me. I can't hear. I can't hear. I'm confused. I need your direction and I can't hear your voice. God, help me hear. I can't see. I made a mess out of my life. I'm stuck in this dark place and I can't see my way out. God, open up my eyes. I can't, I can't speak. I can't speak up for myself. I don't have the power to do that. I don't feel like I have the power to do that, to to speak truth to the lie. God, open up my mouth. Open up my mouth so that I can speak. God, help me. I can't move. I know where I need to go and what I need to do. I just don't feel like I have what it takes to do it. I don't feel like I have the resources or the strength. God, help me move. Help me walk. Maybe you said, God, help me before, or maybe you've just felt desperate for God to change something in your life. If that's you, you're not alone. I would say all of us, Christ follower or not, church person or not, religious or not, we all have times in our lives where we are desperate for things to change. Many of you are in that moment right now. Many of your friends, your family, your co-workers, your neighbors, they're in that moment right now, desperate for God to to change something in their lives. Today I want to talk about when we're desperate to see and we cry out to God, God help me. But this series as a whole, I'm trying to get you to to let this verse in James 4, 8 change the way you think about God and your circumstance and the fact that he does in fact intervene in your life in miraculous ways. And so it just says draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Let's say that together on three, okay? At all of our campuses, if you're watching online, say this with me on three. One, two, three. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. It's simple, yet it's profound. If you really believe that God, the God of the universe, draws near to you, that's a big deal, right? That's a big deal. And so I don't know... I don't know what is the cause of your desperation. I don't know the depth 
of your specific despair, but, but I know this, at the, at the core of who I am, deep in my bones, I know that God is near. He's near. He's not far off. He's not a, a religion or an idea or a philosophy. He's not just maker of heaven and earth, big and powerful and mighty. He's right here, right next to you. And when you call out to him in desperation, God, help me, he shows up. God shows up. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So maybe, maybe you can't see you can't see your way out of the mess that you're in, and so you're crying out to God today, God, help me. I want to show you a passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 8 where Jesus intervenes in the life of a blind man and changes it forever. It's Mark 8, starting in verse 22, and it says this, And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. So talk about desperation. This man cannot see. This is absolutely a God help me moment. His friends bring him to Jesus. So imagine that you're this blind man. You're in darkness. You can't see anything. And your friends say, hey, Jesus is in town. The guy who's been healing other people and doing these miracles, he's in Bethsaida. We're going to take you to Jesus. Come with me. And they lead you out of the house, in darkness, out of the house, onto the streets. And they take you to Jesus. And when you get to Jesus, you do the only thing you know to do. And they do the only thing they know to do. They they drop to their knees and they beg. You drop to your knees and you beg Jesus to help me, help you. Jesus, help me see. Heal me. Then look at what it says in verse 23. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. So so just like last week's text in the chapter before this, Jesus takes this desperate man and he leads him far away from the crowd, away from the noise, away from the, the village, away from his friends that brought him. So imagine again that you are this blind man. You're in darkness. You go to Jesus and Jesus says, come with me. And he leads you out of the village. You're probably nervous, right? You're probably excited. You don't know what's going to happen. But Jesus leads you out, and you're wondering, why is he doing this? Why is he taking me away from my friends? Where are we going? He leads you in darkness. You can't see. He leads you in darkness out of the village. And then he kind of gets close to you, and you can feel his face close to your face. And there's this moment of silence. And in this moment of silence, this intimate moment, you hear And you're like, what's happening? And then, and then you feel this warm liquid splatter into your right eye. And you're like, what just happened? And then the process repeats for your left eye. And then you're going, you wince, and you're, you're thinking, what is, is this guy crazy? He just led me out of the village to spit in my eye? Is that what just happened? And then Jesus lays his hand on you and he he prays. I'm not making this up. It actually happened in this passage. Read the rest of it or look at the rest of it with me, the rest of 23. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? (laughs) 
so Jesus just spit in the dude's eye and said, can you see? I mean, this is funny, right? I mean, Jesus spits in a guy's eye and goes, do you see anything? If I was him, I'd be like, no, you spit in my eye. Nobody can see when you spit in their eye, Jesus. That's how it works. He spits in a guy's eye. I have no idea why he chooses this mode of healing for this particular man. But he does. I mean, maybe Jesus is just running out of unique ways to heal people at this point. It's just like, I touched a guy. I, I said a word. I did some long-distance healing. Last week, I did the wet willy thing with that other guy. I did that. I mean, what am I going to do? What's going to be different? I know. I'll spit in his eye. This will be great. I'm going to spit in this guy's eye. I mean, I don't know. I don't know why Jesus goes this route, but I know it must have been uncomfortable, right? It must have been difficult for the guy to be spit on, right? It must have maybe even made him mad, made him, un- made him uncomfortable, made him offended. I mean, would, wouldn't you be mad if somebody said they were going to help you, led you away from all your friends that could defend you and spit in your eyes? And then was like, can you see? That'd make you mad, right? But when you're desperate to see, what's a little spit in your eye, right? When you're desperate to see, what's, what's a little spit in your eye? Here's the takeaway. Sometimes the miracle God wants to provide for you is uncomfortable to receive. Sometimes it's uncomfortable to receive the miracle that he wants to give you. If you're not ready to be stretched for your miracle, you're not ready to receive your miracle. If you're not ready to be stretched for it, you're not ready to receive it. And so Jesus makes this guy uncomfortable. Sometimes God is going to make you uncomfortable in order to do a miracle in your life. Sometimes he's going to require more from you. Sometimes he's going to require more faith from you. Sometimes he's going to to require you to get over your offense, get over your pride, get over your bitterness, and let him heal you in any way that he wants to heal you. That's That's what happens here. So if you're not ready to get past your pride and your offense to receive that miracle, then you are not yet desperate enough for that miracle because when you're desperate to see what's a little spit in your eye some of you aren't saying god help me you're saying god help me my way god how you're desperate enough to say god help me but you're still trying to control it God, do this. Don't help me that way. Help me this way. Help me with this relational issue by fixing them. Right? Help me by fixing. Don't talk about me. Don't make me uncomfortable with my pride, my offense, my anger. No, 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 no. Deal with them. Fix them. You're you're asking God for help and demanding that he do it your way. But it doesn't work that way. If you're not ready to be stretched for your miracle, then you're not ready to receive your miracle. Because sometimes God will spit in your eye. And you just kind of got to go with it, like this dude in Mark 8. I mean, he just kind of went with it, right? You kind of got to go with it. Look at 
what it says in the rest of this passage, starting in verse 24. And he, he looked up, the, the blind man did. He goes, remember, Jesus spit in his eye and then goes, do you see anything? And he looked up and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. He saw, he saw everything clearly. So this is kind of strange, right? Um, Jesus, Jesus prays for this guy twice. So, so why does Jesus pray for this guy twice? Why does he make it happen that way? Um, there's, a, there's differing opinions on this. I'll tell you what it's not. This is not Jesus running out of magic healing juice. That's not what's happening. This is not Jesus unable to heal, so he's to try again, try a different incantation. That's not what's happening. And this is not Jesus just messing with the guy. Like he prayed for him twice, required two times of prayer for a reason. So, so why, why did Jesus do this this way? Why did Jesus lay his hands on this guy twice. What's up with the half healing where the guy could see but not clearly and then the second prayer that got him the, 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 the full healing. Think about this. And when Jesus asked him, do you see anything? The guy can see something, right? After he prays once. And he says, do you see anything? The guy can actually see. He, he may be able to see more than he's ever been able to see his whole life in that moment. At least, as, at least more than he's ever been able to see since he's been blind, right? Unclear, but still he's able to see more than he's ever been able to see since he's been blind. So when Jesus asks him this, can you see, I think he's given the man the opportunity to say yes. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, I can, I can see, I, and then just be done, like, even though he couldn't completely see. In other words, Jesus is offering the man a chance to settle for a half healing, to settle for a half miracle. He could go back to his friends, able to see, just unclearly, like, wow, Jesus did this cool thing. I was blind, and now I'm partially blind. It's amazing. I can actually see. I mean, it's still unclear, but I can see. That's better than what I was before. I wonder, I wonder how many of us would stop there. If offered a half miracle, we would just stop and say, thank you, Jesus, I'm good. I just want a half miracle. I wonder, I wonder how many of us are so used to the darkness that we would settle for a tiny bit of light. So used to being blind that we would settle for partial sight. And then we get, we, get a, we get discouraged. Like, well, I guess it's just always going to be this way. I guess I'm just always going to be fill in the blank. Alone, sick, stressed, addicted, lost, in a mess. I guess I'm just always going to be blind. You've seen some progress, but you've given up. You've, you've settled for a half miracle. The man in Mark 8 doesn't do this. Instead of settling for the half miracle, he goes, yeah, Jesus, I can see. It's just not really clear. It, sees, it looks like men look like trees walking. It's just super unclear. I mean, I, I can see a little bit, but, but I've, I've got blurry vision. He, he doesn't go, hey, okay, yeah, Jesus, I'm good to go. Thanks. I'm just going to deal with blurry vision from now on. That's, that's not what he does. He knows that partial sight is still blindness. And so he stays there. He says, my vision still isn't healed, and Jesus 
prays for him again, and he fully restores his sight. Listen, um, here's the takeaway. If you're not ready to persevere for your miracle, you're not ready to receive your miracle. If you're not ready to persevere for your miracle, you're not ready to receive your miracle. Listen, you've prayed, you've asked God, maybe something changed, but not much. Maybe, maybe a good bit changed, but you still aren't there. You still need God to work in your life. You still need a miracle from God. So you, but you gave up. You settled for that half miracle. You need to persevere. You need to keep going, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep running to the Lord. Because if you're desperate to ask God for a miracle, for God to help you, the question is, are you desperate enough to persevere? Are you desperate enough to keep going, to have patience? You're desperate enough to say, God, help me. Okay, but, but oftentimes, God takes his time in helping you, right? Oftentimes, God doesn't help you the first time. He helps you over time. Why? Because he wants to build in you reliance on him. He wants more from you. He wants faith. He wants endurance. He wants perseverance. He wants to teach you ongoing dependence on him. That's why. Listen, beloved. Don't buy into this modern like theology, this modern idea of zap theology. That's what I call it. It's where we ask God for something and we just expect God to zap us and we're good to go. Like I just should pray once. He zaps me or he doesn't, then I never pray about it again. God's just going to zap me and I'll be fine. That's not the way it works. God can do that, absolutely. But oftentimes, he requires you to walk a road like he did in Mark 8 with this man, to be prayed for twice, more times, to seek him over and over and over before he gives you the miracle that you're wanting him to give you. Much of our issues with faith and this idea that God is real and he really does intervene in our lives. Much of our issues with doubting the idea that God would ever do a miracle, a real miracle in our lives. They don't, those issues don't have to do with God not helping us. They have to do with God not helping us when we wanted him to help us, right? God not helping us when we wanted him to help us. But here's the hard truth. You cannot receive a miracle from God apart from the timing of God. You have to accept both. You cannot uh, receive a miracle from God apart from the timing of God. His will, his timing is perfect. But oftentimes, we want it immediately, right? God, give me this, help me. Okay, I guess he's not gonna give it to me. I guess I'm just stuck with this. And we get discouraged, but we need to accept the power of God and the timing of God. You cannot receive a miracle from God apart from the timing of God. Listen, they go hand in hand. You, you, you don't want to miss this, beloved, today. You, you prayed. You asked. You, you had some faith, but the miracle didn't come. You got a little better, maybe, but no miracle. And you're disappointed. And you gave up because God didn't deliver your miracle in your timing. Listen, don't give up persevere, keep asking, keep going, keep praying. God may require more faith from you. He may require you to walk a road. I don't know how long, maybe long and difficult, maybe short and right around the corner. I don't know. But God may require something 
from you. But either way, I know this. God has something good for you through that. Because he has only ultimate good for those who love him. Even in difficulty, even in waiting, even in struggle. But you cannot receive a miracle from God apart from the timing of God. Some of us have given up too early. You settled for a half miracle. You gave up because God didn't give you the miracle in your time. And your own thought of when it should happen, which is usually immediately. And you gave up. Hear me, I want to I invite you today to pick it back up. Whatever it is that you need from God, whatever it is that you were desperate for, whatever it is that you are desperate for, pick it back up. Go back to God. Ask God to help you. Get on your knees and and ask God to to do a miracle in your life, to intervene in your life once again. Draw near to him again, and he will draw near to you. Listen, this is where I want to go with this. Um, Before you're, you're sent out today, you You may not be physically blind, but you're in no less need of a miracle in your life because you can't see your way out of the mess that you're in. You're just in darkness and it's closing in and you can't can't figure your way out of this in your own strength. You can't see your way out of it. And some of you are like, yeah, I am stuck in a mess and I made this mess. I'm stuck in a mess of my own making and I can't, I can't see my way out of this. You got into debt way over your head. You, you said some things you shouldn't have said. You, you, you didn't follow through on your commitments. Whatever it is, you, you made this mess and you're struggling. Maybe you set your whole life up. You put time and energy and money and schooling and everything. You set your whole life up to go this direction. And all of a sudden, the, your, your heart has been enlightened to the truth of God's word. And you're looking around and you're, you're finding yourself and your family in this huge crowd on a wide path that's leading to destruction. And now you've got to see your way out of this. And you're going into such a mess. I can't see my way out of this. You're lost. One time, when I was a kid, um, my family and I were at a state park uh, camping or something like that. And uh, my brothers and I, my two older brothers and I, we were in the woods walking. And because, and this isn't clinically diagnosed, but I'm pretty sure this is true, because I am missing a part of my brain that you have, most of you. The, the directional sense, I'm just missing it. I just don't have it. Um, I got lost. I got separated from my brothers, and I got lost in the woods. And so it, I was young, and it was getting dark, and, you know, I had all these scrapes on my legs, scratches on my legs from all the thorns and stuff like that. Um, and I couldn't see my, I couldn't figure out how to get out. I couldn't figure out how to get back to my brothers. I was yelling for them, and they, they couldn't hear me. And all I could see was, it was just a bunch of trees, and, and it just was getting darker and darker and darker. And maybe, maybe you're in that situation right now. Maybe you're in a situation where you're going, God, if you don't help me out of this, I'm not getting out. I need your help. I can't see. I'm in a dark forest, and all I see are trees. I need your help, God. Maybe you're in that situation 
right now. Well, here's the good news. No matter how blind you are to a solution, no matter how bad you've messed up, no matter how dark the forest you find yourself in right now, you are not too far gone for God to save you, to find you, to rescue you, to help you. What I'm saying is that you cannot be too blind for Jesus to open your eyes. You cannot be too blind for Jesus to open your eyes. It reminds me of Psalm 139. In Psalm 139, the psalmist is just overwhelmed with this idea that he can't escape God. And he says this in Psalm 139. 39, he says, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. So darkness doesn't affect God. Even when you think it's dark, he can see as if it's day. The maker of the heavens and the earth, the one who separated the day from the night, the one who not only not, not only gave you sight, not only created your eyes to see, but he created the concept of vision itself is not affected by the darkness you find yourself in. Isn't that good news? Isaiah 59.1 says it this way. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. You may think that you're in a situation that you can't get out of. You may not be able to see your way out of this. You may think you've fallen into something that you can't come back from. You may have this thought running through your head. It's, it's too late. I'm too far gone. I'll never get out of here. There's no way God will save me now. I've done too much. I've run too far into this dark forest. But let me tell you, I'm here to tell you today, church, that that God, that, that there is no place, there is no place that you can go that God cannot rescue you. There is no darkness that you can find in which he cannot see. There is no dark cave deep enough for you to hide in. There is no sin great enough that, that his love shown for you on the cross of Christ doesn't overcome it. You haven't invented a new sin that wasn't thought of and dealt with at the cross of Christ. The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Amen? I'm that day, when I was lost in the woods, I did make it out. <laughs> I made it through a thicket, and I saw a road, a highway. And I went down to it. Um, I was scared. I was crying. It was dark. A car stopped to help me. They had some puppies, so I got in. <laughs> just, kidding, just kidding about the puppies. but They offered to help, and... I told them where, where we were staying in the state park we were at. I got in the car, and we drove for probably 90 seconds. <laughs> Just up the road a bit. There it was. Just around the corner. I was never very far away from my family. I was not as far gone as I thought I was, nor was I gone as long as I thought I had been. 
Listen, you may feel like you can't get out of this mess, like God can't get you out, like like you're in such a mess, in such darkness that may be created by your own sinful desires or your own selfishness, and you're looking around going, there's no way God can save me from this, find me in this, rescue me, see me. You may be thinking that, but, but you're really just a kid lost in the woods right around the corner from your parents. I mean, your mom and dad are like right around the corner. You, you are not out of God's sight, beloved. You have not created a mess that he can't overcome. You're just blind to that fact. And so you need Jesus, just like the man in Mark 8, you need Jesus to open your eyes. It's no small thing. I mean, seeing is kind of a big deal, isn't it? But maybe, maybe like my Joshua, you don't even know that your eyes aren't working right. All you've ever known is partial blindness. So the first step for you may be to ask God to reveal to you where you're blind and then ask him to help you see. But beloved, it it may take some time. Multiple prayers, multiple times of going to God and asking for him to do a miracle in your life. And I know it'll be difficult. I know it'll be uncomfortable, like spit in your eye. But when you're desperate to see, what's a little spit in your eye, right? At all of our campuses, Germantown, Washington, and online, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for opening our eyes so that we can see. I ask right now, God, that your Holy Spirit would fill this place and that your power, your resurrection power would be present to work miracles in the lives of many. That's what I pray for right now. Whatever it is, whatever the obstacle is, whatever the thing is, the difficulty is, sickness or financial troubles or sin and addiction or relational strife that seems like it'll never get fixed, whatever it is that has caused us to be desperate, I'm asking Jesus that you would work a miracle, that we would be desperate enough to receive that miracle, that we would persevere to receive that miracle, that we would submit not only to your power but to your timing to receive that miracle, that we would not give up in seeking you and asking you for your help. Do a miracle, God. Do miracles in our midst today, Jesus. For the person in here who has yet to give their life over to you, I pray, God, that you would help them cross the finish line of faith today. God, maybe they're in here going, you know what, I've done too much. Pastor Jake doesn't know, he doesn't understand, doesn't get what I've done. The wickedness I've been involved in 
the secret sin that I have. There's no way God will save me. Lord, I just pray that 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 lie would be overcome by your voice, your truth, that says the work of Jesus on the cross covers all sins and that we have only to accept your grace and submit our lives to you as Lord. And so I pray for every person in this room who has yet to do that. I pray today would be the day of their salvation. If that's you in here, as we continue in an attitude of prayer, just take this moment to make that decision. With your eyes closed and your heads bowed, just just pray, God, God, help me. Help me believe in you. Help me have a faith. Help me submit my life to you. Just give him your life now and ask for his help. God, I pray that you would seal this decision in the hearts of those who would make it, who would be bold enough to make it today, who would be desperate enough to make this decision. Lord, I pray that you would seal it, that you would protect it, and that the lies of the enemy that come against it would just fall to the wayside and be forgotten, but your truth and your love and the sacrifice you made on the cross and the truth of Isaiah 59.1, that your hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, that that would remain secure in our hearts and minds. It's in your holy and precious name that we pray. Everybody said amen. Why don't you stand with us? Here's, here's my prayer for us today. May we have the faith to accept not just the power of God, but the timing of God. May we persevere and, and contend for the miracle. And where we're blind, may God grant us sight. We've got our prayer workers on the side that would love to pray for you. Maybe you're asking that you would be able to see, see your way out of a mess or a a situation. Maybe it's something different, but we would love to pray for you before you leave or during this song. And then, as always, make sure you talk this over with your life group. If you're not in a life group, that means you haven't quite gotten plugged in at Great Oaks. That's okay. We'd love to get you plugged in. Just stop at Connection Central, and we'll get you into a life group as soon as possible. And as always, leave here not dismissed, but sent. Be Jesus followers who make and disciple other Jesus followers. One way you can do that is by talking to a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, a family member about coming with you next week for week three in our God Help Me series. God bless.